Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and admiring the guyliner, all with love for the show and its creators. I'm Lina. And I'm Vero. And today we're covering Lucifer Season 2, Episode 7, My Little Monkey. Eee, such fun. I'm gonna be saying stuff about the title of the episode in a moment, but first, what's this episode about? In this episode, Lucy tries to be anyone but himself, Chloe proves her moral superiority, Mace is the best friend ever, and Linda is much stronger than a human should expect it to be. That's so beautiful. Let me just wipe the tear. Everything else was boring, and even the German title was the same. That sucks. In my final thoughts, I have a list of best things about the episode, and it's just like bullet points. It's a short list, right? It's... It's a, I liked the episode. It was something we needed. It's only five bullet points. Fun disagreement in the future. <laughs> okay. Let's begin with the first disagreement. Obsession of the week, probably. <laughs> so my obsession of the week is Hamilton. <laughs> uh, <No>. Yes. <laughs> so Lucifer-related obsession of the week. Lucifer's obsession of the week is let's kill Lucifer. I can see why you say that, but I say Lucifer's obsession of the week is Dan. I can see why you say that. <laughs> and I agree with you, but I think that one does not go without the other. Yeah, he starts out with trying to be anything but himself, focuses on Dan, and then it accumulates in let's kill Lucifer, let's make Lucifer not part of the existence anymore. That's actually my general obsession is not being true to yourself or not being who you are because that's also the same for Mace in this episode and even Chloe struggling with her self-image and her morality and everything. Well, looking for yourself maybe is kind of a general theme of the episode. We can get into it a bit later when we get to the specific scenes. Do you have any facts and fun? Not sure how much fun my facts are this time around, but we have, again, a third time return writer. This time it's Jen Cao, who co-wrote episode 3 in season 1, which was the horrible would-be Prince of Darkness with the blonde sports dude. And also wrote the episode 8, which was A2 Doctor with the dead therapist. It's the cheater's therapy, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I have to say this is definitely the best out of the three that Jen Kao wrote. But I'm still not a huge fan. We also break season 2's streak of Lucifer saying the episode name. Because this time it is said by Chloe's father in the flashback. Fun fact, I like there is one fun fact. Chloe's father, his name is a reference to the comic books because in the comics there is no Chloe Decker but there is a John Decker that has interaction with Lucifer. Interesting, I didn't know that. I have another fun fact about him. He actually is played by Leslie Ann's husband. Correct. And I did look it up and this was released in 2016, I believe. And they got married in 2015, so they did not meet on the set. <laughs> they knew each other before. Because I was looking at the flashback at the beginning of the episode and I could not for the life of me place him. And I just went through his IMDb page and trying to figure out where I know him from. And then as I was Googling him, I suddenly saw a picture <laughs> of him and Leslie Ann. Leslie Ann is the actress who plays Mace, just if anybody is not following and I was like, well, that's strange that they're taking pictures together since he only was in this one episode. And they didn't even have a scene together. And then I realized where I know his face from and it's from Leslie Ann's social media. 
<laughs> because he has one of those faces, you know. He's a very attractive man. Yeah, but he has one of those faces where like, it could be anybody. I don't know, but get into the previously on. Okay. Previously on Lucifer. Chloe's dad was a cop, he died, so she joined the force. Dan asks for a divorce, Mace is finding herself, and on the way she moves in with Chloe. Linda asks Lucy to be honest with her about who he is, and he shows her his devil face. This was a pretty short one. Yes, and wonderfully summarized, my dear. I'm very impressed. But it's also accurate because Maze is trying to find herself. This is perfection for this episode. This is one of the points that I really, really love. The journey that Maze goes on. But... We're not there yet. The plot B in this episode with Mace is definitely my favorite thing about this episode. But before we get onto plot B, we start with a flashback as scene one, and we get our episode title dropped right away. It's the quickest title drop we've had ever, and it's gonna be the quickest for all the future, I, I think. We actually started off with a song. The song is You Get What You Give by New Radical Star. song was released in 1998, if anybody was interested. And this flashback is set in 2000. When we get the Overtown shot on one of the buildings, it says in neon, Jesus saves. And the S is broken. Exactly. I wrote it down because I feel like there must be some type of significance because otherwise they wouldn't put it in. But if you found it... Sorry to disappoint you. Maybe it is connected to the next song we hear at the end of this scene, which is called Feather Jesus. I feel like it could be it. Jesus saves. Our main character is Lucifer. It feels like it's somehow related. I didn't catch anything. I saw the neon sign, but... I was distracted by John because... John is actually quite a good dad. He's proud of his daughter, even though she's in a profession that he doesn't really understand or support in any way, but he supports her and he's proud of her. So that's really, really sweet. And in not even two minutes that this entire scene is long, we get a good sense about the man. And I have one huge question right at the beginning of the episode, which for me made it extremely clear that this turned out to be a setup. Who fucking robs a store while there is a policeman inside in uniform? Exactly, right? I didn't even think about that part. My own issue with this setup was when uh, your man walks in. Usually if you see something like that, they would run in, they would be screaming, everybody on the floor or something like that. They would at least say something. This guy just shows up and shoots the policeman in the shop without asking any questions, without even suggesting that there is any way for him to survive this. It just felt very off. And I think that it was meant that way. So this is all I have for scene one. Same these. So then we get, as I mentioned, the Feather Jesus song by Facine. And we get to see Chloe getting off the phone, being very upset. And oh my god, Lauren German's acting in this scene is amazing because she has so little time during this phone call, but she puts so much emotions in her face, in her eyes, in the few words she gets to say. That was really, really impressive because sadly, most of the time, I feel like Chloe doesn't get much opportunity to exhibit any range. Chloe so far had pretty much two emotions, maybe a couple more, but she only had a few emotions. She had being upset with Lucifer, she had being stressed out by Lucifer, and she had I love my 
my daughter. We didn't really see much more from her so far. And being disappointed in Dan. Yeah, but we haven't seen her angry yet. I think this is the first time we see her truly angry. With righteous anger at that. Yes. So for me, it was clear that, okay her dad's killer being released can't be good. So this is obviously going to be the thing about this episode. And then she goes off and Lucifer goes, being me seems to be the problem. And with this sentence, we start getting into Lucifer's obsession for this episode because he basically, he says that, turns around, looks at Dan, and this is where we start. Yeah, he notices that Dan was able to see that Chloe is upset about something and care and help her out and get her coffee or something like that. And that intrigues him because this is not what he does. And I think Lucifer, as much as I love him, he is just so self-centered. And this episode for him... I love this episode for him. I love the way he struggles and it's I think it's very entertaining. I think it has a certain bit of funny and a little more of being distressed and very much in pain, still dealing with what he was dealing with last week in the episode and the fact that he did show Linda his face and now she's not returning his calls and the hurts that he has from this. So I just love the range that Lucifer takes us on. I'm gonna get into it when we get to it. Okay. Anywho, we're moving on to our crime scene. It's not happened yet because first we have Chloe stalking her father's killer and everything, but I put it all together into one scene. So first thing that made me curious, family leave for murder inmates? I'm surprised that is a thing. It was also very obvious that Chloe stalking the prison van can't be good. Parallel to that, Lucy stalking Dan was clear to be extremely hilarious. And when Chloe drives past the corner and then we see the prison van standing there and I full-on expected the perp to be gone, not dead. So that was surprising to me, which is nice. I like being surprised. Because I missed it, it's nice that we have it again. We get the title card in this, but we stay in the same scene right after the title card, which is nice and early this time at 5 minutes 45. So before the title card comes in, we get to see Chloe developing her anger and she gets on the phone with Lucifer and she is super short with him. And I absolutely love the fact that she hangs up on him in the middle of his sentence, pretty much. That she is so destructive because what we've seen so far was Chloe constantly chasing Lucifer. Lucifer, Chloe constantly trying to figure out what is Lucifer doing? Is he following the law? Is he doing good things, bad things? And suddenly we they flip this around and we get Chloe doing the not so completely legal type of a thing, which is kind of thrilling if you ask me. If you watch her like that, you get to see her emotion and it's just all nice and suspense. And Lucifer being Lucifer, trying to talk to her on the phone and she just hangs up on him and and obviously the way he takes it is just, oh yeah, I take that as a yes, never mind. He's not used to people hanging up on him at all. Yeah, I think this whole situation for Chloe was for Lucifer a really bad timing because it only supports of how he feels and sends him for a loop even more. As in, in comparison, if she would have been her normal self and if this would be any case, I think we might have had a little bit of a different outcome. So this is all just really interesting to watch and then we get right after the title card when Dan and Lucy arrive to the scene and start talking to Chloe she's being shady as fuck I didn't read her as shady because instantly 
she's aware that she can't have this case. That being Chloe, being the goody that she is, we obviously know that she didn't do it because we've seen her discover the van, but this is just her word against anybody else. She knows that it does not look good for her because she was not supposed to be there and everything. She's a smart girl. So we move on into the precinct and we're sitting in a wonderful interrogation room with Chloe on the bad side and Dan and Lucy together on the good side, which of course from the setup feels Chloe is treated as a suspect even though no one straight up says that she is a potential suspect in this case and I really appreciate the setting how they made it and for me in this entire episode Dan is amazing he excels in being a good person, in being reassuring, in being supportive, even him acknowledging that he does not know how Chloe feels. I was really, really happy with him in the scene and in the entire episode. Dan is doing a really good job showing empathy towards Chloe, even by admitting, no, I do not know how you feel, I can never know how you feel. I was impressed by Chloe, though, compared to the way that she was at the crime scene, clearly distressed and clearly not 100% herself at that moment. She is sitting in the precinct talking about this being very reasonable and rational. And we get Lucifer starting to copy Dan. And as much as I love Lucifer as Lucifer, it's really interesting. And as I mentioned at the very beginning, this is starting to get a little bit painful watching him trying to become somebody else because he loathed himself so much. Obviously, he's gonna finish it up with a fun quip saying the dunce are on the case, which is gonna go on throughout the episode. And this was one of my favorite catchphrases in this episode. The dunce are on the case. The dance was funny, but... I'm already not even 10 minutes into the episode. I'm very much over Lucifer's repetitive pointing out the boring part of Dan. I didn't even hear that, honestly. It's already the third time or something that Lucy states one of Dan's main characteristics as boring, which I get that for him, a life like Dan's is considered boring, but he is trying to emulate him. So I could do with a bit less judging on his part. What I'm not complaining about is Ella in this scene. Girls got stories, baby! Once again, she has the worst timing ever. I love her so much. And then we go through the scene and everything, and when she leaves and she realizes that Lucy is now emulating Dan, she's still operating under the assumption of the method acting, which is brilliant because now Lucifer is actually method acting. That was very, very nicely done. Yeah, as much as I hated the referral to method acting when she made it in the previous episode. I adore it in this setting. It's so good. Also, the whole STD jokes. I'm telling you, Ella's been through shit. I want more backstory on Ella. I said that before and I say it again. I want definitely more backstory on Ella. Yep, we better get it. But it was a very nice closing of the scene with her going through the door. (laughs) Method acting still going? Absolutely. I love her. I love Ella in this episode. Yeah, we get very little time, but the time we get with her is very good. So we can move on to Chloe's and Mace's apartment and... Holy shit. I call this scene mommy helping mommy. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I love the beginning of this scene, though. Oh, Trixie being such a good human. Yeah, I think that Mace is so lucky to have Trixie in her life. Absolutely. And that directed towards that, Trixie, as much of 
an amazing human that she is, she is very lucky to have Chloe as her mom. Because I feel like a lot of the things that Trixie is putting on Mace, the wise words, she has had to learn from somewhere. Of course, she's channeling her mother. Exactly. That just proves that they are all good people and I love them. I like that we not only have the moment that Trixie helps Mace, but she actually helps her mom talk a bit about her dad which is nice because obviously Chloe needs it. I think that it's amazing that Chloe is trying to be very open with Trixie about what happened to her dad by cooking the meal and everything and it's just it just feels very difficult for Chloe and Trixie is there for her. It's just a really nice moment for them. What I did not expect in this scene is when there's someone at the door and suddenly it's a woman pulling a gun on Chloe. And then they go to cut and I was like, what? So I imagine that's where the advertisement would go on television. 100% that was an ad break. It was very impressive and I know I keep repeating this, but Chloe is extremely competent, but sometimes they have to dump her down to allow for certain plot developments. And luckily this is not one of those moments because she is extremely empathetic she has amazing reflexes and she is extremely quick on her feet with how to handle Trixie's involvement so go Chloe while being emotionally distraught still being on the fucking top of her game also shout out to Trixie for being a massive help to solve this situation even though she didn't (laughs) know about it because I just want to shout out Trixie every single time I get the chance because she's the best I'm not disagreeing This scene, I call it the dance are on it. It's the first time in this episode that Lucy is dressed as Dan. Oh yeah. He looks so hot. It's on point. I love his jacket. It looks like Dan, but elevated, you know? Yeah, because you put in a bit more money into this type of clothing. But we get a song, actually. The song is called Gout, and it's by Hot Buddies in Motion. Does that ring a bell to you? Because it did for me. No, but Hot Buddies in Motion, when looking at the dance oh yeah so this band is a repeat artist we had a song by them called old habits if that rings any bells a bit more yeah that happened in episode three of season two during the mama mugging Ah, when she smooshes the guy against the wall and realizes "Ooh, i have more power than i thought exactly this is a second song from the same album actually by hot buddies in motion It was very obvious that Rodney could not be the solution to the case of this episode because he was way too chill when they arrest him. Yeah, this whole situation is quite funny, actually. But yeah, so they arrest Rodney and as they do, we get to see the video that the guy left for his daughter back in the apartment. That the killer is not the killer. Which kind of sucks for Chloe because she spent... How long has her dad been dead now? 16 years. She spent the last 16 years hating this man and hating someone does things to you it's not healthy it's not good for your emotional well-being it's not good for your psyche etc etc so she spent the last 16 years hating this dude and now finds out that he literally could not have done this crime so all this negative energy that she projected onto this person has been completely and utterly wasteful and only hurtful to herself so not just the fact that her father's killer is still out there and unpunished 
punished, but also it sucks for her. And I'm, I really feel for Chloe in this moment. But I don't have anything more in regards to the confession video. I find it interesting and at the same time not surprising at all that Chloe knows the exact time of her dad's murder. But it just fascinates me that she is clearly or she was at some stage obsessed with her dad's murder. And we will get to see it in the next flashback as well. So, meh. So, after the twist we just saw in scene 7 with the video, we now have more twist because Rodney is instantly confessing, which is so obviously wrong. I love the word dance formation. I know, I've written it down in all cups. Also, I love the fact that Lucifer refers to Dan as Dan 1. Because he is the original Dan. I like to see Lucifer being respectful, even though he doesn't necessarily respect those qualities himself, but he respects Dan for being who he is. You know, even though he keeps saying boring and other stuff, he still respects the shit out of Daniel. And I appreciate that. We're gonna have to disagree on this because I feel like until the improv scene, that is not the case. Also, I really like that moment where Lucifer decides to go back to himself for a second and he uses his powers. That's so good. Just for one second and Dan stops and realizes that something is happening and he just catches on. Because regardless what I think or what I said last season, Dan is pretty good at what he does. Next up, we have a very emotional scene. Finally, the B-plot starts happening. Yeah, it's been how long? 12 minutes in? 16.26. Oh, even 16. There we go. 16 minutes in and we finally get to see Linda. Because this is what we are kind of waiting for since the last scene happened in the last episode. What is happening to Linda? We just knew that she is not returning Lucifer's calls. Which is understandable. How far is she affected? Is she still sitting there? Loads of questions that I had watching it the first time anyway. This scene was so painful because this friendship means the world to Mace and when she breaks basically into Linda's office because the, the window was open. She's gotten in and she finds out that Lucifer revealed his face to Linda, which is very hurtful for her, clearly. Because the reaction of Linda for her is not surprising but painful and also surprising in a way because she has a very high opinion of Linda and so she has this expectation that Linda would be able to see beyond this. I feel like both Mace and Lucifer are on the same boat emotionally right now because they were hoping that this fact will not change the relationship and now they are seeing that it is and each of them are handling it completely differently obviously because they have completely different characters but... And I also think that Mace handles it much better than Lucifer, even though she was forced into this situation. Lucifer had his coming out out of his free will. Mace doesn't. Mace did not choose to show her face to Linda and prove to Linda that she is the demon. So Mace is being outed by Lucy and still handles this surprising moment with much more composure than I would have expected. You can see the pain in her face, but she's not acting out towards Linda. Sadly, then we already leave our B-plot and go back to more evidence gathering. Turns out we have so many false confessions. So it's very obvious that we are looking at a conspiracy at this point. We get in this evidence gathering scene another flashback that shows us Dan and Chloe meeting for the very first time, which is 
kind of cute. He comes to her rescue and she's wonderfully flustered and he realizes that she's John Decker's daughter. And that just shows that her obsession with her father was already there because first thing she does is literally look at her father's name on the wall. After we come back from the flashback, we get the official name for the dance by Lucy and he goes either with Lucy Dan or Duchifer. I can live with both. I prefer Dushifer, if you ask me. Lucidan just feels weird. Uh, also, we get our ooh, Russian mob connection. And so this is apparently much bigger than anyone thought. We do get this moment where Chloe, before the flashback, has talked to both of them. And then they move on to a different place and they keep talking about this after this flashback. And suddenly she noticed that they're dressed the same now, which I guess she was distressed, but still Chloe maybe... Pay attention to your surroundings. Nah, she's preoccupied too much at the moment to pay attention to anything much, I think. Well, I mean, she did notice at the end, so I guess. Because she's still Chloe. But we can move on to... The best moment in the entire episode, because holy shit, Dennis ripped. Oh, is that your best moment? I did not expect that holy shit i'm just very surprised that for story reasons they actually allowed dan to be more ripped than lucifer not the actor be more ripped than the other actor but the character because lucifer is supposed to be the sexiest being uh, humanity has ever seen and yada 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 and then you have the bathhouse scene and i'm sorry but then that much hotter. But that's your opinion. I personally have it flipped around. So now that Lucifer is more ripped, you don't like him as much. Yes, I actually preferred him at the beginning. But Lucifer even refers to Dan being that ripped and everything. So I was surprised with that being a deliberate choice, apparently. But something I did not notice on the first go, Lucifer starts speaking in American accent, trying to mimic Dan's speech. <laughs> It doesn't even sound like him at all. One, it's very good. And two, it kind of sounds like he is being dubbed over by somebody else. It's just so weird. I kind of expected when Dan tells Lucy, oh, you're the type of person Russian would be willing to deal with, that we get another reverting back to Lucifer Morningstar. And I was positively surprised when Lucy still sticks with being Dan too. And in the next bathhouse scene, he puts the hit on himself. And then, of course, it makes absolute sense. I actually find this kind of contradicting itself because if Lucifer truly was behaving like Dan, he would not call Boris like that is the most Lucifer thing that Lucifer done since he used his powers. He's undercover. He is, but it just seems like the most Lucifer thing to do at that very moment. Something that Dan would never do. Which is why I expected him to fall back into the Morningstar persona, but he doesn't. Yeah, I kind of felt that he is internally maybe struggling a little bit to figure out how does the Dan to suit fit him. I don't know. I just got really meta in this moment. So I suppose it's probably nowhere near as complicated. It was probably just Lucifer saying the name and like getting himself into the situation. I know what you're saying and you're not wrong. But right after he shouts out Boris, 
he goes back into being Dan too. Yes. I'm pretty sure you have a lot to say for the next scene since it's an Ella scene. I actually don't. No, Ella is being absolutely sweet. Ella is being amazing and very helpful to Chloe. And the way they help each other in that moment and the way Ella is there for Chloe is just great. The fact that they ended up hugging. I knew you were a hugger. Yeah, it just shows you how enormous heart Ella has. And even though she's been around for such a short time, she has become already part of the team. Already they are friends. And it's just one of the reasons why I love her character so much. Ella is definitely taking the friendship bond that they formed in the Tiki Bar very serious, which is nice to see. And I like that she figured out a way to involve Chloe in the case where Chloe has no jurisdiction basically to be involved in well technically they are going after the same person yeah but chloe is chloe and so she would never get involved in the case that she can't get involved when they have the prints that they checked back then and ella says i'm gonna see what i can do since this was 16 years ago i'm pretty sure now ella has way more like forensic options so for me it's very obvious that those prints are gonna give us something also i feel like she's gonna she's gonna run like a different database as well because i'm pretty sure that they would only run their police database and I believe that Ella has connections that's my headcanon and simply with 16 years of difference you have way more access I'm pretty sure that Chloe says that she ran the prints already didn't catch that well never mind let's go into the second bathhouse scene where Lucy puts a hit on himself and boy that was painful especially with Boris going like I know when you're lying oh I'm really good at reading people and then agreeing with Lucifer and then Boris goes you both have true hatred for that man and Lucifer has this side glance towards Dan which was that hurt my heart that was not good they were getting along so nice with each other I have a theory on that that Boris is full of shit and doesn't know what he's talking about Nope, that Dan is a really good actor. (laughs) Because I think that he partially doesn't like Lucifer, but he still respects him, which kind of shows up later on when he compliments him back at the precinct. And it feels like Dan is being very good at reading Lucifer's behavior throughout the episode in order to use it to solve the case. So even when Lucifer back in the precinct was using his powers and Dan reading the situation well enough to be able to use that information that just came on the table and use his own wit to use his own superpowers, if we're going to call it that way, to resolve the situation that they're in. Dan seeing Lucifer come in through and say, I truly hate Lucifer. He is a bad person and he hurts everybody around him. I feel like, yes, he is not his favorite person, but I don't think that he truly hates him. Nevertheless, Lucifer's loathe of himself is real. I think that we can agree on that. We agree on that. I would love to agree with you on Dan respecting Lucifer, but as we're gonna talk about in the improv scene, nope. (laughs) I feel like he respects his skills. My idea of this is that Dan is a really good actor and Boris is is full of shit. That, on the other hand, I can live with. (laughs) Okay, good. We go back to the precinct and I really, really like the cut between Boris shaking hands with Lucifer. Like, I'm gonna find you your patsy. 
zip, sit down in the precinct. It was really nicely cut together. Yes. And then the little look that Lucifer and Dunn exchange when he's shaking his hand is just like, did we get it? Yeah. Yeah, we got him. So obviously it was a hit. Non surprise there. Also, one, haha, I knew it in the first scene is my note. <laughs> Boris, regardless if he is actually a lie detector, he is a smart motherfucker. His whole conversation with Chloe is very well handled from his side and his whole business, if we can call it that, is actually a very interesting concept. It's not morally good, but it is it is a viable concept and it's actually really, really smart. Yeah, I don't know the context of my note anymore. Tell me. The note is, ha ha ha, then you have some serious issue. Then you are so right. So Dan is saying this to, I guess, Lucifer? Yes. Okay. <laughs> this is when Lucy is standing outside of the interrogation room and he's looking at the pictures about the case and Dan approaches him and says, hey, well done back then because, you know, this whole pretending, how did you do that? Like, how do you come up with that? You want to get Lucifer killed. And Lucifer says, it's very simple. I didn't lie. And Dan says, oh, oh okay, so you have some serious issues. <laughs> that he does. Oh, right. And then Chloe comes storming out of the interrogation room and Dan is offering to help. But of course, Chloe is not taking him up on it, which is not good, but totally understandable. I do appreciate the fact that Dan is trying to compliment Lucifer. I think that he is really trying to be a good partner in this moment and appreciate the little things because I personally think that he likes Chloe enough to trust her judgment. And if Chloe asks him to work this case with Lucifer and if Chloe trusts Lucifer he will do his best to explore that and not to judge Lucifer too harsh. You know what I find hilarious? Sometimes for my personal uh, sensibilities you give Dan way too little credit and sometimes you give him way too much credit because for me this interaction was on the same level as Dan having to be a partner for Malcolm and being a good partner there because he does his fucking job and because Lucifer is his partner, he is treating him as his partner. Did we ever see Dan complimenting Malcolm though? Not to this extent, but still like you give him all this, like he trusts Chloe and like he sees all this, this additional stuff and I'm just like, he's doing his job. Which is hilarious because sometimes I'm like, oh, a dad and here he sees this and this and oh, and you are like, nah. <laughs> It feels very inconsistent on when which one of us goes on the yay Dan train. But pretty sure once one of us is on the yay Dan train, the other one goes, nah. True. <laughs> so poor Dan, never getting both of us. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I do think and this is like my belief that Dan does a lot of things because of Chloe. You know, like they have built a certain type of relationship over the years. They have a child together. They obviously trust each other enough. And you have to trust your co-parents' judgment if you're supposed to be co-parenting. So I kind of feel like that is not coming out of complete nowhere. I'm not disagreeing with you in a general notion, just in the basic motivation for Dan 
he's a decent person and he's doing his job. Either way, I appreciate what he did in this scene. Even though Lucifer, as much as Dunn is trying to take the step forward to be a good partner, Lucifer is just being very dismissive. And I feel like Lucifer doesn't really feel his worth in this episode. Yes, absolutely. And that's why he is struggling so much. He is trying to steal Dunn's worth throughout this. He's emulating Dan because he feels that people appreciate Dan. And more important, Dan is not a destructive influence to his surroundings. But moving on, we finally get to the point where our plot lines touch. It's always nice when the A plot and the B plot are not completely separate. How amazing it is that Chloe explicitly says, but I'm your friend too. It's so sweet. The affirmation between Chloe and Maze was amazing. I really appreciate it. And I think that really added to the climax of this case. Because I think this is where Mace gets motivated into hunting down the guy. That was actually one of the, in my opinion, best done parts in this episode. Mace is on this self-searching journey and tries out different jobs. And now she's wearing a maid outfit. But apparently she was not having a problem with being a topless maid. But she was having a problem with having to actually clean. But she's already in the cleaning outfit. And at the very end, she cleaned up the mess by catching the guy and then realizing, ah, this is an actual job and I can catch human garbage and get paid for it. Yay! So I really like that she is going through these different jobs that lead her to be a bounty hunter in the very end, because this is a perfect job for Mace. I was actually surprised that Maze did not immediately offer her help to Chloe in this scene. Especially after the affirmation of friendship from Chloe. For me, the expected progression would have been Chloe says, but I'm your friend. And Maze says, yeah, right. I'm gonna kill that dude for you. Yay. I have this little nugget from this scene where they talk about the job and Mace asks why Chloe is doing what she's doing and, you know, it just felt right after my dad died. And then Mace asks, how do you know what feels right? And Chloe says, you just know. Why, thank you, Chloe. You helped me exactly zero. It's the same, like, how do you know when you're in love? You just know. Yay? But now we finally get to the fucking improv scene that we have been alluding to. So we start this scene off with a song by Desert Bell. And the song's name is Catch Me If You Can. How fitting, because Lucy is stalking Dan. Mm, he little stalker. A funny notion. It's interesting how quickly is done getting from the street on the stage. Just in time management. Yeah, still didn't really ring true. I wonder why Lucy is so shocked and appalled by the fact that it's improv. Like he goes, not improv. And I'm like, yeah, but what's so bad about improv? Do you want me to like start a list or... Don't you like improv? What's bad about improv? It depends what improv. Improv... There is a difference between acting and improv. Improv can be good, but it can also be very, very bad. Yeah, acting as well. Improv is like, um, do you know how everybody shits on the drummers in bands? No, because it would be idiotic. There is a whole culture. Do you know how everybody shits on viola? Because it's not a real instrument. What? 
See, now we understand why you don't understand why anything about improv. Because there is this whole culture. So if I explain in viola, which is like the closest to me because I am a violin player, viola is a mix. It looks like violin, but its strings are like violoncello. So it's like a mix of different instruments and it's completely useless. No, it's not. It's pointless. And there is a zillion of jokes about it. You don't seem very impressed. So this is kind of the general idea amongst actors. Improv is the viola of actors. I just, I was surprised that the devil has this disdain for improv because... Because it's a like a general fact. I was not aware of the general dislike of improv. I find improv hilarious. It's a really good psychological tool, for example. And life itself basically is improv. So Lina, I think that you're overthinking this. Lucifer is so many confusing dislikes that I'm very confused every time another dislike shows up. He doesn't like children, he doesn't like cats, he doesn't like improv. Everybody, like... It's surprising that improv is a thing that the devil has even thought about. Is there a special place in hell for people who do improv? Yes. And play the viola? Yes. 100%. All right. I really enjoyed that Dan is using Lucy's persona to draw from during his improv. He's doing it quite well as well. It's such classic Lucifer behavior that he crashes the scene by walking up to the stage and going, That's not how I sound like at all! And it's just like, oh, Lucy, you're so blind. (laughs) I feel that this is a bit of a breakthrough for him. And I know that this is the part where we're going to disagree a lot. So I'm just going to tell you how I perceive this scene and then you can tell me how you perceive this scene. And then I'm going to say no. (laughs) That's what usually happens, yes. I'm learning to at least acknowledge it before and then in the near future I will be able to not do it. Yay, growth! Lucifer shows up. Yes, he gonna do like some smart remarks about improv. He's gonna get very upset about the fact that it is improv in the first place. But he looks over and he sees Dan, somebody who he never even thought of to be on the same level before this episode. He sees him taking all of his own shallow qualities or not qualities, flushed out all within 15 seconds, if even. And he sees this and it hurts him because he knows that that's not all he is. He doesn't see this as a bad thing. He's just, that's my part. But like, this is not why I suffered. This is not my life. This is just the mask that I put on. And how dare you make fun of me? How dare you make fun of that? And then they get to talk. And that became clear to me the way I perceived it anyway. That he does not feel like this is his defying qualities. Dan sees him like that. And by Lucifer trying to reinvent himself as Dan, and Dan trying to work through his own issues by becoming Lucifer, it's really interesting that they are pretty much doing the same thing, but in their own ways. And that crosses over because they're such different personalities. But to me, by the end of the scene, it definitely helps Dan to become a better person and to maybe understand that Lucifer might not be just this shallow club owner guy. But the same way it goes to me from Lucifer's side where he realizes, look, maybe I judged Dan too harsh and maybe I should give myself a little bit more credit because now I am here saying this is not the only thing I'm about. And that gets him to look a little bit harder on himself and maybe try to become himself again. But that's my perception. Please now tell me what do you think. (laughs) I disagree in parts. For me, the most 
important difference in how I read this is that I don't see personal growth for either of them in regards to their own personality. I saw growth in the understanding of the other person because both Lucifer and Dan lived until that moment under the assumption that the other person's life was pretty much problem-free and nice. And this moment opened both Lucifer's eyes about the issues Dan has in his life, as well as Dan's eyes that Lucifer has actual issues. And this, for lack of a better word, humanizes them to each other. So this, for me, was the most relevant realization on each side. What follows out of this for Lucifer and his obsession with being Dan is being Dan does not mean I have no problems or no problematic qualities anymore. And because if I pretend to be someone else without getting what I was looking for, which is being not harmful to others, then I can just as well be myself. Which is why in the next scene, Lucy is back to his own clothing and behavior and everything. And this is what I took out of this interaction with the two of them. I did not see that much internal growth. What I do see, and now in the future will have less disagreements with you, is a start of respect from Dan towards Lucifer. Because up to this moment, Dan considered Lucifer an extremely shallow, happy-go-lucky, problem-free asshole. And that is simply not a character that he would have respect for. But now that he was shown that Lucifer has this soft side, not just in this scene, but building up to this scene as well, he now has a more human impression of Lucifer. And now there is a chance for respect to develop. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that to add to that, it was very good for their personal development, even though it may have not happened. And I think that I do tend to look at certain scenes in not just as the scenes themselves, but in a context of the entire episode. And in this moment, it just felt like Lucifer, by trying to become done, has shown and flushed out the most shallow qualities that he could see on Dan. And Dan didn't like that, obviously. But the same way in this scene, Dan the same thing to Lucifer. And Lucifer obviously didn't like that. And I feel like that clash, that conversation that they had, made them both realize this is how I am perceived. And this, to me, shows that this might be a starting point to figuring out who they are and define themselves potentially so let's just leave it at the fact that maybe <laughs> let's leave it as potentially yeah maybe it did not happen at this very moment but it potentially is where the starting point is i'm gonna stick with potentially <laughs> All right. But a little tidbit at the end of the scene is that miming is even less respected in the acting community <laughs> than improv. So with Lucifer referring to the whole improv session as a miming. Locking his lips and then catching the key. Doing the little mime thing at the end. It's a really nice little bit that I fucking loved. It just made me laugh. It was a very good closing of the scene. We're moving on to the acting actual solving of the case. Lucy is back to being Lucy. He heads on over to Chloe and Mace is there and she instantly makes him feel worse about himself. While 
it hurt me to watch that happen, it was also kind of understandable. For sure. It is understandable because Maze is pretty pissed about the whole situation. And to be fair, Lucifer should not have revealed himself. Without talking to Maze first. He shouldn't have done it at all, I don't think. In the context towards Linda. I think that he needed to do it for himself, but in the context to Linda, no. It was selfish in any way, shape and form, which is very much Lucifer. But I don't think that he... He should have done it in general. If we dismiss the fact that this was good for him, if Linda will eventually choose to accept this. Since I have asked for him to show people his devil face if they don't believe who he is since basically episode (laughs) one, I will not agree with you. (laughs) So... (laughs) Okay. This is the moment where Chloe gives Lucy the much needed affirmation that she needs him there. Earlier on, she had this one moment where she was like, it's really important to me that the two of you work together on this, which was already nice, but it was not Lucifer specific. And now finally he gets personal affirmation from someone who's really relevant to him. So this for me was turning point. And the way he pays that back straight away by coming up with a crucial clue for the entire case, it just proves that he is worth being there. Yeah, this was for me actually more of a turning point than the improv scene because Chloe is that much more relevant to his personal perception. I mean, I could argue that he would not have perceived it that way or come out with a clue if it wasn't for the improv scene and he wouldn't change into his own clothes, but one thing leads to another usually. <laughs> and I love that when they leave, May is behind and she's like, mm, I guess I just clean up then. I'm already dressed for it. She is very salty. Rightfully so, but not for long. For the next scene, I actually don't have anything. The warden is gone and that's basically it. So, scene 19, I called Mace found her profession. We see Lucifer bringing Chloe back to her place and then there's sound inside and they go in as a team, which was very nicely done. Like she has her gun and then looks at Lucifer to open the door and everything. So she really has started to use him as a proper partner. So yay. And then they come inside and Mace is just the best. Wow. Her posture, her facial expression, everything. I was so, so happy. And I'm really happy for Maze that she found something that she enjoys, that she's good at, and that just feels right. I have pretty much just two notes for this scene. One is, yay, Mace found herself. And the other one is, yay for Chloe. You has pretty much summoned everything that was Mace related. But I really love that Chloe gets to get her closure. She is offered the opportunity to take revenge. And she chooses to obey her calling, her job and the law. But not before she scares the shit out of the warden. So it's a very nice cathartic moment for Chloe and I just really loved it. I called it a morality test for Chloe, which obviously she aced. So for me, there was not even a sliver of a doubt or even half of a second where I was wondering if she was gonna hit the man or do anything or maybe even shoot him. Like for me, there was no tension in this moment. I kind of thought that she was gonna kick him in a boss or something. For me, it was so obvious that she would not harm a hair on his head. And I found it utterly non-surprising that she's like, oh, you go to prison because this is where you get your real punishment. This was very bland, Chloe, and I am still waiting for them to muddy her morality. I think that it's nice to have somebody who you can always rely on to do the right thing. Nobody always does the right thing and I want her to be human. 
So after your disappointment, we get to go to Linda's office. <laughs> Which was anything but disappointment. This is just... This scene makes up for the entire episode for me. Because I think it's two minutes or something long. Two and a half. And it's so good. You have this moment with Mace in front of the door. And all the while, you're not really sure if Linda is gonna get through. If she's gonna be able to open the door or not. See, and that was completely clear to me, like, from the beginning that she will. Really? Not at all for me. I wasn't sure if they were gonna drag it out. Like, it was clear that at some point, Linda and Mace were gonna make up or something. But I wasn't sure if it was gonna happen this episode. Especially when she pushes back the check under the door with her foot and then Mace is turning away and Linda is opening the door and they're talking and Linda is still having the door nearly closed and then she starts opening the door more and more the safer basically she feels with Mace because Mace's behavior is fucking perfect in this scene the scene hurt me and made me happy at the very same time so as I said before it has to hurt otherwise I'm not happy and it even made me happy unrelated to being hurtful so <sighs> this was a good two and a half minutes I have one kind of a specific note towards what May said at one stage and that is yes they are all still the same I love that she makes that point because this is the whole point of this thing It doesn't matter if it's real or not. They are still the same people. They are still the same souls. Basically, you can take this out of the... This is a show about angels and demons. Just because you learn something about a person that you didn't know before. About their background, about where they're coming from or whatever. If you know the person and have interacted with them, it doesn't change who they are. And so you shouldn't treat them any different. This is a very important lesson that one can take from Mace and opinion and Linda knows that Linda is a better human than any of us absolutely no disagreement there ever nobody deserves Linda and we all need one but we can move on to the last scene where we get a song that is called low lays the devil by the veils and Lucifer has decided to stay Lucifer but he's gonna lay low I think that this is a big growing moment for him where he realizes that other people can have different experiences. Again, I think this is spawning from the improv scene where he realizes that from one perspective it may look certain way from a different perspective it's gonna completely change and this is what he applies on Chloe when he realizes look I don't get on with my own father but you clearly cared for yours and I'm sure that he would be proud of you he realizes that this is what Chloe needs to hear maybe not consciously but there is a reason for him to say that so when that all resolves in the hug his face just goes from complete misunderstanding standing through I'm not sure what's happening but this is nice and I'm really glad that I get to hug this person this is all I've seen in this scene and it just made me very happy for me the interaction with Dan basically was a lesson in empathy I feel like he was able to put himself in Chloe's position and having gone through this empathy thing once going through it a second time is already easier because in the beginning of the episode he wasn't capable of that so I agree with you that the whole improv thing is extremely important and that there is some growth there but 
I think maybe this is one of the issues I have that usually we have more growth and less revelation and this time we have very little growth and very important revelation for several people and maybe this is why it feels so out of place. To me it was more of a I'm glad that we got a breather situation but I did make a list of best things in this episode. Do you want to have my complaining first so we end on a positive note? I'm not sure if I'm gonna be able to segue after your complaining but yeah sure go on. While I understand you saying we needed a breather I'm very much not someone who enjoys having a breather. This is why you love Hannibal. Exactly. It's nothing but stress. And nothing but main story. In general, I'm always very complainy about filler episodes in other shows as well. For me, it was really nice to learn about Chloe's dad because this is background information that was alluded to in the past. So it was great to get this background, but it could have happened at any point. So it was not relevant to the timeline. But what was really well done was the tie-in with using Chloe's dad background story to help Mace find her calling and then tying in Linda as well to get that sorted. So while I'm not happy about the filler episode, they actually tidied up certain things really, really well. My main issue is the utter absence of mom and Amenadiel because we had such build-up in the last two episodes, especially in the last episode, and now it's just like, well, <laughs> what you're doing? <laughs> I'm super happy that we have Linda and Mace back as friends and I'm extremely impressed by Linda being able to get over the devil face. But as I said, for me, this is a filler episode. I didn't really agree with Lucifer's sequence of coping mechanisms because we had distraction first and now it's being someone else. And he already did the shoot me in the last episode. That was different. It's still the kill me because I'm horrible and then we're still in the I'm gonna put a hit on me. You know you can hate yourself for a longer period of time, right? What? Nah. It's just, I know I'm expecting too much, but I expected more. And this episode for me was a letdown. Okay, may I? Yes, please save this episode for our audience and make it positive. This is gonna be entertaining because a lot of my best things are on your no list. <laughs> I love you. Perfect. Best things about this episode. Written by Vero. One, no mum. <laughs> Two, no aims. <laughs> Three, Nazikeen found her calling. Agree. Four, Linda will be okay. Agree. And five, and most importantly, Danielle is doing improv. <laughs> Which I get that you don't completely comprehend why it's there, but it's there. If it makes you happy. It's the most done thing he can ever do, is go and do improv. I loved that detail to bits. So, with finishing on this a very great and high note, recapping all the best about this episode. I only disagree with two points, so... Two out of five? I love that specifically started mentioning, well, this was bad because there was no mum and no Amenadiel. And I was like, <laughs> um, was it though? Respectfully disagree. <laughs> yes, so ending on a high note of improv. Thank you for turning this around. And please, all the listeners out there, if you do improv, this is all a joke and I don't mean 
that I hate improv. So please don't hate me. Please don't send me angry emails. You know what? Maybe yes. Send me angry emails. We can do some improv about it. Never mind. Angry feedback is still feedback. But with this being the high note, thank you guys for listening and thank you for understanding. And if you want to keep in touch with us and send us any feedback, positive or negative, hating on improv or loving on improv, I am actually very curious what you think about that. You can do so via all of our various social media or you can send us an email to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. You can listen to us on Spotify and iTunes. And if you feel like just listening to us and sending us feedback is still not enough, there are other ways to get involved. You can write us reviews on iTunes, which would be amazing or you can obviously tell all your friends that they also should listen to us and if you want to go all the way then there's of course the patreon if you go to patreon.com slash t-a-o-t podcast you will find our patreon page where you can either become a heathen or a believer and get wonderful extras that normal people don't have access to but if not we fully understand that as well because these times be weird times thank you for your time Thank you. Bye. Bye.